1: Now, from our nation's capital, this is
0: Bloomberg Sound On. The strongest job growth in history, the lowest unemployment rate in 54 years. Put simply, I would argue the Biden economic plan is working.
2: We may talk tonight about the debt ceiling. The debt limit is one of the most important opportunities Congress has to change course.
1: Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names.
2: You will hear an openness and, in fact, an eagerness to have a real serious conversation about the fiscal and economic priorities of the country. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. (laughs) Bloomberg Sound On with Joe
1: Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. It's almost showtime. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we count down to the Super Bowl of politics and President Biden's first official State of the Union address. You'll hear it live here later. Tonight, we're joined on the Democratic message by Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California and on crafting the speech itself by Cody Keenan, former speechwriter for President Obama, now at Fenway Strategies, as they put final touches on the big address. Our signature panel is in place on an historic day in Washington. Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us for the hour. This is the moment President Biden has been waiting for.
2: Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States.
1: Yes, with a Mr. Speaker, Kevin McCarthy waiting in the rostrum. President Biden will make his way down the aisle to his first formal State of the Union address. Of course, the White House has been laying out the groundwork, if not the carpet, on this press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, there's
0: going to be probably you know tweaks and and uh, uh, to the speech until the last minute. That's kind of how how it goes. Uh, but I'll say more more generally, or actually speaking to your question about Camp David, the president uh, was accompanied by several of his senior aides. Uh, work has has gone into the speech over the course of many many weeks, as we know, because again, this is something that the president uh, truly sees as a moment to speak to the American people,
1: to the American people, to to a lot of different audiences. Of course, we focused a lot on the president's message to the GOP. I'm curious about some of the others who will be in the room. We're joined by one of them right now, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Democrat from California, with us now on Sound On. Congresswoman, welcome back to Bloomberg. Thank you. Everyone seems to be talking about President Biden's message to Republicans tonight, but I'd like to know what his message will be or should be uh, to the progressive caucus in the House, of course, uh, of which you're a member. The, the members of the Progressive Caucus who helped him pass infrastructure and the Inflation Reduction Act, Congresswoman, they did not get so many of the policies they asked for, like paid family leave or a billionaire's tax. What does Joe Biden need to tell them tonight?
3: Well, uh, let me just say that, uh, the, as I understand it, uh, his speech is designed uh, to talk to everyone. Uh, and so I think it is not so much that he needs to talk directly to the squad or to, you know, those who uh, you have identified mm-hmm. that uh, needs to be told whether or not he's going to be supportive of their direction. I think if you talk to any of the Progressive Caucus, you will find that they're appreciative for the interaction they've been able to have with the president Uh, the meetings, the conversations, Hmm. and where they've been able to come together, and they will continue to operate in that mode.
1: I wonder your thoughts uh, on the debt ceiling and how the president should handle that issue. As ranking member of the House Financial Services Committee, today you called on the chair, uh, Chair McHenry, to convene a hearing on the unprecedented threat of a debt ceiling default, and you said this to the committee earlier today. If
3: House Republicans continue their brinkmanship... Over debt selling, it will result in even more severe interest rates, hikes, <clears throat> a plunging stock market, major job losses, and a recession of epic proportions. Such a global financial crisis would hand the Chinese Communist Party a massive win by boasting the Chinese government's standing in the world.
1: Congresswoman Speaker McCarthy says defaulting is not an option. Do you believe that we will avoid one?
3: We have to. I have to believe that we will, despite the uh, way that uh, Mr. McCarthy is threatening that he has to have certain cuts uh, before they can support lifting uh, the ceiling, um, we won't be held hostage. We will negotiate in you know good faith. And so uh, if, in fact, uh, those who are wanting deeper cuts or more cuts, if they have the best interest. At this country in hand they will know uh, that we cannot default on our debt we cannot close down the government we cannot allow Social Security and major programs to be cut et etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. then they'll do the right thing and they'll raise the debt limits as it has been done in the past so that uh, we will be keeping uh, the faith with our creditors uh, where we have borrowed money so I, we have to And they have to come to grips with this and raise that debt ceiling.
1: You mentioned China. That was the topic of your hearing today. Do you support a bill uh, before the committee that would cut off Chinese officials from our banking system here in the U.S. if they threaten Taiwan? Will that move forward?
3: Well, here's what I think. I think that both Democrats and Republicans are going to have to come to grips with the many ways that different ones of us would like to deal with China. We've got to focus, we've got to set priority, and we then uh, have to move unified in how we're dealing with China. There are a lot of different ideas, a lot of different things that people want, and I think what we should do is pay attention to the unified effort of Democrats and Republicans to deal with China.
1: Would you make a trip to Taiwan? Would you make a a delegation journey to Taiwan?
3: Uh, You know, I'm not the chair of the committee, uh, but I certainly don't have any problems with that.
1: Yeah, I would just wonder if, as Kevin McCarthy had promised to lead a bipartisan delegation, Congresswoman, maybe he'll invite you.
3: Maybe so. We'll see.
1: (laughs) With that said, a rising China you point out with regard to our debt ceiling conversation— Is that simply because they are the other great economic power globally? Was that your point?
3: Well, you know, the point is, you know, sometimes we forget what the real threat is to our country and our democracy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't uh, understand uh, that if we don't raise the debt ceiling, that may be one of the greatest threats to our country that we will uh, have to deal Mm -hmm. with. And so I don't want people to lose sight on how important it is to raise this debt ceiling, uh, to keep our government going, uh, to make sure that we don't default and that we uh, do what has to be done to run our country. And so while we talk about China and we talk about other threats, even the domestic threats, right now Mm -hmm. I want everybody to focus on raising the debt limit. That's the threat.
1: There's a threat to cut defense spending from some of uh, Kevin McCarthy's caucus uh, in response to all of this. They say there should be defense cuts and domestic cuts. Are they right on that when we consider a, a potential conflict with China?
3: Well, you know, first of all, instead of dealing with a broad discussion about we got to have cuts, we got to have domestic, we've got to have this, yeah. I want to know what they're really talking about. I want to know uh, how they're going to identify what cuts. In particular, they're going after We don't have that information yet.
1: So show us your plan.
3: Show us your plan. Absolutely.
1: Congresswoman Waters, it's not lost on us uh, that Tyree Nichols' parents will be in the room tonight. On the issue of police reform, you recently called out Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema for what you said was not giving a damn about the issue. Do you, do you want to see, and I know you're getting to the filibuster issue on that, do you want to see the Senate suspend the filibuster to pass the George Floyd Act?
3: Uh, Listen, I want them to suspend filibuster, not only for George Floyd, but for a lot of other reasons. Uh, I think it is antiquated. It is past due for the way that you govern, and I think a majority should govern. And so, yes, that includes a George Floyd-type act uh, Mm -hmm. that we are going to move forward with uh, and other things that we need to have a majority vote rather than 60 uh, members having to decide whether or not we're going to move
1: forward. Well, I wonder, so, uh, could yes. you pass the George Floyd Act in this House with a Republican majority, albeit a slim one, or or would you be willing to take an incremental approach with, for instance, a, a de-escalation training or banning chokeholds? Uh, Congresswoman Gwen Moore suggested as much on the program recently that qualified immunity is what's holding up this comprehensive act.
3: Well, I don't know. And I think that's what the Black Caucus is going to have to come together and decide exactly Um, you know, how we're going to be in negotiations for getting support. You know, there are things that I've been working on for many, many years. The chokehold. I started in Los Angeles, California. A chief was Darrell Gates, who popularized chokehold, And so we've been working on some of these issues far too long and not being able uh, to conquer uh, some of the abuses. Now we're going to go into another bill, uh, it may not be called the George Floyd uh, Reform Bill. Uh, we don't know what the name will be. We' are going to have negotiations, uh, but there have to be negotiations that are meaningful, uh, that will help bring about real reform and have to make sure uh, that there are policies in all of these police uh, operations that must be followed, that are fair. And just not shooting people in the back, not killing unarmed folks, not targeting certain members of our society. All of that has to be taken into consideration.
1: Well, so, Congresswoman, do you feel like your time has finally arrived on this issue, or are you just frustrated that it hasn't happened yet?
3: I want to tell you, every day that I wake up, I think that the time has arrived for change. I cannot give up on change And I am an optimistic human being, despite the long time that we have been working on these issues. I keep looking forward uh, that we hit that time when we are absolutely going to have legislation that's going to deal with this issue that is plaguing our communities and our country.
1: Well, I appreciate your answering that. Are you bringing a guest tonight? Yes. Can you talk about it? No. Oh, it's a surprise guest.
3: Well, it's a guest. (laughs) oh
1: boy all right now we're in now i've got to pay attention
3: okay congresswoman maxine
1: waters thank you for the time today and have a great state of the union night in washington
3: oh thank you so much so who's the
1: guest now i want to know who the guest is going to be we assembled our panel a rare treat to have everyone with us in studio in washington dc rick davis and jeannie shanzano of course our Bloomberg politics contributors, happy State of the Union night, everybody. What do you think about that, Jeannie? We already know Bono's going. It's not Bono. It's, I mean, she's, she represents part of Los Angeles. This could be this could be big Hollywood, right? This
4: could be a major superstar, Joe Matthew. I am so <laughs> excited. I know Christine Barada maybe said maybe it's Lizzo. Wouldn't that <laughs> oh, be exciting? Wow! Did you just put and that you're going to be on the hill with her, Joe? Yeah,
1: imagine that. I'll be right in <laughs> Stat Hall when they all come out of here, uh, Rick. I don't know how what to make exactly of the conversation. Uh, it, I feel like we're we're getting to the point now where we're going to spend the next two years with messaging in stereo from each side of Pennsylvania Avenue. Democrats pursue their agenda. Republicans pursue theirs. Nobody has much conviction that it's going to go anywhere
2: in this divided Congress. Oh, we love divided government, don't yeah. we? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, the reality is— um, You're actually probably going to get more done than you think you are, because there are a number of issues that 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 unite both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue and both chambers. And that is China. That's big tech. I mean, those two things alone uh, have an amazing impact. And I would say also uh, the Ukraine, Uh, that war is going to keep going and there's going to be bipartisan support for it. And, and I think those are the kinds of things you're going to see lots of action around, mm-hmm. lots of aggressive activity, especially on the China front. Uh, and, and so it will look like actually there's a lot, of, a lot of things happening. It just won't be on the typical things, which are taxes and the budget mm-hmm. and, and, and issues like that. We are all hopeful that they can get their act together and before uh, the debt ceiling runs out. Uh, that they can piece that that bipartisan uh, action together, too.
1: Let's talk about that for a minute here, Jeannie. The president's going to tackle this, right, and and be forthright about the issue by by name. He'll talk about the need for a clean debt ceiling bill. Half the room will stand up.
4: That's right. And and of course, Kevin McCarthy was out last night. And I don't know. You right. two probably know better than I don't remember a what is this? A, a pre that Kevin McCarthy gave the, to the day
1: before. No, I, no.
4: I have to say, I thought it was a very smart move politically. He is trying to be conciliatory, reach across the aisle. Mm-hmm. I think we'll hear something similar from Joe Biden. But the, to your point, Republicans won't be moved by it. Democrats will clap. But yeah, the real right. question is on things like Social Security, Medicare, are those? On the table, aren't they? Kevin McCarthy is seeing some drop off from on his side. You know, how can they come together to get things done? And what is on the table is the big question. I don't think we're going to learn those details tonight. I do think the president will say we do, we need to get the debt ceiling raised and yeah. we need to talk about issues like the debt. And he's going to praise the Democrats for at least taking a stab at cutting the deficit, which he's going to claim Republicans haven't done.
1: Listen to the language that Kevin McCarthy used. Uh, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on this. This is the so-called pre battle last night on the debt ceiling. He's standing there with more flags than I could count behind him. It looked like he was almost delivering this himself, which, of course, is the point.
2: Cuts to Medicare and Social Security, they are off the table. Like Defaulting that. on our debt is not an, option, not an option. But neither is a future of higher taxes higher interest rates, and an economy that doesn't work for working Americans.
1: What does that tell you about his intentions, Rick? Defaulting is not an option, but uh, he's kind of saying what Joe Biden is saying here, right? We're not going to default. And then they'll have a conversation around that.
2: Uh, I'd say the distinction is Joe Biden's saying we're not going to default as long as I get a clean bill. Uh And he's not going to get a clean bill. So a lot of people look at that and say, so what are you saying? Without a clean sure. bill, you're not going to agree to it? Uh, so I think that actually McCarthy's being very constructive and saying, we're going to get something for this. And I'm telling you in advance. And we're going to sort of circle the wagons around what we think that is in the next couple of months. Yeah. And we can come to an early But no with... one is
1: saying don't raise the debt limit. That's Nobody the point
2: is opposing right. the increase in the debt limit. They just all want some leverage from it. And that would not be unusual. There are previous debt limits that have gone with strings attached. And so uh, this idea that the White House refuses to bargain around it, refuses to look at it as a as a as an option is, I think, you know, uh, a little bit of a head-in-the-sand kind of approach. Now, maybe that's just a tactic. Yeah, right. But the thing that's actually amazing to me is that, that Speaker McCarthy can hold these, these meetings, uh, press briefings and the things that he's doing in advance of this, and nobody in his caucus is arguing with him. I mean, we thought this was point. going to be the yep. Armageddon caucus. Yep. You know, We thought this was going to be total pandemonium sure. every day. And it's actually been worse in the Senate <laughs> than it's been in the Does House. Does that give you
1: hope, Jeannie, And hearing him say, not an option?
2: It, it does give me
4: hope, but I think there's a long way to go. Ask Kevin Hearn if Social Security and Medicare are off the table. There are others in the Republican Party who say, no, that's not right, Kevin McCarthy, and they're starting to come out of the woodwork.
1: Well, we're going to hear a lot about it tonight, no doubt. we're going to hear more from Rick and Jeannie as well on the Fastest Hour in Politics. Stay with us. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th.
5: Catch the program
1: live weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. It's showtime. Things are happening inside that White House right now. The president will take off in just about, what, three hours' time, two and a half, three hours to get up to Capitol Hill. They'll be making tweaks to the speech right up till the last moment. Checking the tie, making sure this is all buttoned up. And it's a moment that Cody Keenan knows more about than most people. Former chief speechwriter for President Barack Obama, now a partner at Fenway Strategies, visiting professor at Northwestern University and author of the book Grace, President Obama in 10 Days in the Battle for America. Cody, do you get nervous just thinking about it?
6: I, you've done the impossible. You've actually made me a little bit nostalgic for a State of the <laughs> Union address for game so, day. I do I miss the energy of game day, that's for sure. It is
1: game day. What what's it like in that White House right now? Where's the president? What is he doing?
6: Uh if it was us, this is actually the time we'd be doing our final rehearsal. President Obama would stand at a podium in the map room in the residence and do the entire speech over a teleprompter and the without the entire speech. Yeah, and without all the, you know, kabuki applause. It only ran about a half hour, uh, huh. which would have been a dream in real life. But <laughs> Hopefully nothing's happening now. And by that, I mean, the speech is locked. It's fact checked. They briefed everybody. The speechwriter is, you know, breathing a big sigh of relief uh, Mm -hmm. and they're all done. That would be ideal.
1: This is being delivered against a lot of noise right now, just the political climate that we're in. It's a very different world uh, than when Barack Obama was president. Uh, And it's a very different Congress than even Joe Biden uh, walked into when he was first elected. How does that kind of when you close your eyes and think about crafting that speech, how does that guide you knowing you're talking to a Republican majority in the House now uh, and and coming off a year that was incredibly divisive? Even the anniversary of January 6th was divisive. And he's got to try to inspire people in that zone.
6: Yeah. The first question we always asked ourselves when we sat down to write one of these is what's the story we're trying to tell? And we would blue sky it. We'd say, "All right, we're flying at fifty thousand feet. There's no political reality. We can do whatever we want." What does that look like? About a week later, we'd come back and and, and examine the political realities. And you know, when you've got a Republican House, um, they're much much different. So I think you know to give the speechwriters a little bit of cover here. There's no clever turn of phrase that's just going to you know spark an outbreak of unity. Um, mm-hmm. I think what especially someone like Joe Biden is going to do. I mean, this is someone whose persona is kind of steeped in the old art of bipartisan compromise. It's certainly gotten him in a lot of trouble with the left. I think he'll do that outreach. At the very minimum, he'll try to get caught trying, um, You know, extend some olive branches, grace notes, present some pieces of legislation where they can work together. And he'll ask for good faith cooperation. Uh, and then I think if you know over the course of the year, if Republicans refuse, he can take that case to the American people in 2024. When you
1: consider themes in the speech, like you say, you sit down and and, and consider the story that you want to tell. Who is the audience or do you actually try to write for the Democrats and
6: Republicans in the room and the people at home all at once? Is that possible? We would try to go right over the heads of the people in the room and speak to the American people. I mean, it's it's an extraordinary opportunity. You've got this crowd of, you know, 30, 40, 50 million people that you just don't get at any other moment in the year. It's kind of this built in reset on the presidential calendar. And a lot of the people, the reason the crowd is so big is you have people tuning in who just don't necessarily follow the day-to-day of politics, you know, who are working and raising kids and going to school and whatever. So this is your chance to speak to a lot of people who are not always paying close attention. Now, there are, you know, notes you need to hit inside the room, Yep. bills that people are looking to push, that interest groups are looking to push. That's usually what drives you most crazy as a speechwriter is kind of hitting all those things. But, huh. but this is really a chance for Joe Biden to talk directly to the American people. And Cody, are you factoring in all those standing ovations that that you
1: referred to earlier that turn this from a half an hour into a, a 90 minute speech? Uh, uh, that's going
6: to impact his, his cadence. It's going to impact, obviously, where you put applause lines. We used to joke about asking Congress to stay seated the entire thing and not applaud. But <laughs> the members like the theater, too. Um, sure. You know, one thing I will say is that those applause breaks, actually, it is hard to give a speech. For 30, 40, 50 minutes, mm. those applause breaks actually breathe in a chance to take a breath and take a sip of water. So they're pretty important. Sure.
1: And, and, and how about the applause lines or the zingers? You know, when you're crafting this, you, you can imagine some some somebody in a newsroom cutting this up or in this day and age, some kid cutting it up for social media. Uh, you mm-hmm. need to have those the, the zingers, right? The memorable moments. Uh, are you all contributing those? Do they kind of crop up over the course of time while you're talking about the speech? Do you do you end up removing a bunch of them at the last minute? How does it work?
6: Those are some of the the, the later things we do. I mean, President Obama was he just he wasn't a soundbites guy. He didn't like him. That would often be the thing he would excise from a speech. But once we had the structure down and everything in there, we try to add in a few lines that that we know might get picked up, especially if they made people laugh. You know, if we could if we could do laughter rather than cheap applause or booze, uh, that's always a better way to go. And, you know, there are a couple of moments, too, where heckling is a relatively new phenomenon at the State of the yeah, Union address. Yeah. But uh, I think it was 2015 when, you know, we were kind of getting towards a serious ending and Obama said, I have I have no more campaigns left to run. You know, I'm just going to do what I believe is right. And, mm-hmm. and Republicans all started cheering. Uh, and he just added in, I know, because I won both of them. <laughs> and you can't write that stuff, can you? You can't write that stuff. There was another heckler that a lot of us
1: remember. His name was Joe Wilson. This was 2009.
0: There are also those who claim that our reform
6: efforts would ensure illegal immigrants. This, too, is false. The reforms reforms I'm proposing would not apply to those who are here illegal. You lied.
1: No one will forget it, at least back then, Cody. That was a really big deal. If it happened tonight, I'm not sure it would make such waves. Obviously, they would get in the news.
6: Uh, How do you prepare a president of the United States to be challenged like that? Or can't you? It didn't cross our mind at the time because it had never happened before. I remember it being so shocking. that I I remember Nancy Pelosi's face. and It was like lasers (laughs) were coming out of her eyes. Um, You know, I I think the Biden team is probably thinking about that now. I mean, it happened last year with Lauren Boebert. I think there's an equal chance, you know, the different wings of the Republican Party heckle each other tonight. But but I think now you need to be ready for anything.
1: So that's part of the game now. This is part of the night.
6: Yeah, I mean, hopefully we're not veering too closely to to English Parliament, but uh, it is getting rowdier and rowdier. Cody Keenan, how do you
1: deal with the money line? The state of the union is dot dot dot. You have to say something good there, but you don't want to be cliché. What's the answer to that part of the speech? Is it different every year?
6: Yeah, I'll be honest. It's the worst line in the speech. It's got to because, be. Because it's a it's a line that you have to do, because if you don't, then everyone says, oh, the president didn't say the State well, of Union is strong. Right. Now, you know, for us, it was, how do you do that when the first time he addressed a joint session of Congress, we were losing almost a million jobs a month? Yeah. You can't say that. So we would, we would couch it in the American people. We would couch it in uh, determination. We'd couch it in different values, but it's hmm. just... You know, once we did finally emerge from that crisis and got unemployment back down under 5 percent, things were getting better. Then we finally said it again. But it's just one of those things that you have to do that. I wish we could just we always joked about dispensing with it and explaining why so that no other future president would have to do it. And then we decided oh. we don't need to pick that battle.
1: We talked about uh, the potential for a heckler in the in, in in the chamber, Cody. How about the Republican speaker who's going to be sitting behind Joe Biden tonight? He's used to having Nancy Pelosi there. Uh, Kevin McCarthy's been going out of his way to say, hey, nobody's ripping up any speeches tonight. That was Nancy Pelosi's act when this, you know, this this whole idea comes up of heckling or 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 somehow breaking decorum. Uh, Does Joe Biden take advantage of that? What if he turned around and shook Kevin McCarthy's hand or did something to try to act like they were actually getting along that talks were going to be had? Uh, He could actually do some real political damage
6: there, couldn't he? I think it's actually a good bet that he does something like that, that he turns around and shakes his hand. I mean, that's that's kind of core to Joe Biden's character. He's just yeah. you're you're not going to change after that time. One thing we did in I don't remember if it was 2014 or 2015, I think 14, you know, Obama was talking about uh, what makes America great. He said, you know, only in a country like this can the son of a single mom become president of the United States or the the son of a barkeeper can become speaker of the House. And that was a surprise <laughs> to John Boehner. And he started crying, which is so one of my, my prouder one of my prouder State of the Union achievements. <laughs> It was a nice moment. Before you realized I could have written anything there and he still would have
1: been crying. (laughs) Not really. Cody, thank you. I'm delighted you could come in. You're just the voice that we wanted on this broadcast. And uh, I have to know, what are you doing for the State of the Union? Do you do do anything special? You watch it at home with the family? I've got a two-year-old. So once she falls asleep, I'm going to get back and open a beer. I'm sure that some old suspicions will kick back in. Uh, Cody, don't be a stranger. It was great to have you. Cody Keenan. Uh, The book, again, is Grace. President Obama in 10 Days in the battle for America.
5: You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 5 Eastern
4: on Bloomberg.com, the
1: iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg
4: Business app.
1: Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a real test of Kevin McCarthy's station in the universe and certainly his role as speaker. To find out if anyone breaks decorum, as we were just discussing with Cody. This is kind of a a big question going into tonight, as you consider the potential for the Matt Gaetzes and Lauren Boeberts to make some noise. Certainly a year ago, we saw Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene famously on their feet, yelling at President Biden at one point. Uh, Some of these names might not be uh, interested in doing all of this, but Rick and Jeannie are here to talk a little more about the speech. Again, special coverage starting at 8.30. The speech is at 9.00. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. Uh, after seeing the 15 rounds that led to uh, the speakership of Kevin McCarthy and a lot of the back and forth, the drama, Rick, that we saw on the House floor, uh, you would have thought that this would be an absolute free for all tonight. But he's been going out of his way to try to tell people the rules of the road and not create a scene tonight and make that the story. think Can he pull it off?
2: Well, he's done it so far. I mean, everybody had dubbed it the Crisis Caucus, and nobody (laughs) thought that they would get through a whole month without some kind of Mm -hmm. blow-up inside the Republican Caucus and the House of Representatives. And so far, so good. I mean, he's even been able to go up to the White House and talk about bipartisan approaches to solving the debt ceiling and how to work together on, you know, uh, the budget. I mean, he's actually sounding like a speaker looking to actually pass legislation this year and I would have thought there'd be a rebellion over that by now. What? Talk to the president? Oh, that guy, we should impeach him. You know? Right. And, and yet you hear virtually none of that. So um, if anything, what's really happening is – on the Senate side, Mitch McConnell's banned a couple of senators from their committees, mm. you know, punishing them for bad behavior during the election. I mean, there's been more <laughs> discontent in the Senate GOP caucus than Isn't in that the
1: House. That who would have thought here, Jeannie, if there has been some talk of some Republican lawmakers bringing balloons into the chamber, that type of thing would obviously, that would be big news. You see balloons go up in the House chamber in the middle. That would be a new level Joe Wilson. Uh, does something like that go on tonight or, or do they give Kevin McCarthy a little bit of space here?
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, if the props go in, I can't believe those get through security. But if they go in, that'll be a big deal. Um, You know, there's a few things. Number one is, you know, we did see that last year. We've seen it in the past. But now that Republicans, it's their house. So they have less of an incentive to take it Hmm. on in their own house. Um, Even though the president is of the opposition party, it is their house. It is their speaker sitting up there. So they have less of an incentive to act out. That's I think it depends in part on which Joe Biden shows up. Huh. If the Joe Biden that showed up last week last weekend in Philadelphia yeah, yeah. talking about MAGA crazy Republicans, of course he was talking to the DNC, so there there's that if that Joe if that Joe Biden shows up, you might see some pushback or some heckling. But if Joe <laughs> Biden is more conciliatory, reaching across the aisle, talking about his accomplishments, yeah, right. I don't think we we probably won't see it. Although, you know, in this day and age, you know, we wouldn't know who Joe Wilson is, except he did that. Right. So if you want to get your name out right. there and increase your fundraising well, numbers, this is the here. way.
1: Absolutely. And they're all holding their phones and they've all got Twitter and they'd love to make a video. Uh, but hecklers or not, Jeannie brings up a real question here, Rick. Which Joe Biden does show up tonight? Are we going to go, you know, are we going to go MAGA,
2: ultra MAGA, whatever he calls it? Is, is this going to be a fiery speech or is it Uncle Joe? You know, I think my impression is what they're setting up is Uncle Joe, because normally you sort of lean into the, the State of the Union, right? You yeah, don't sort yeah. of uh, uh, give away the speech, but you test run a lot of it. And mm-hmm. and and Joe Biden's been out on those hustings, going to events and talking a lot lately. Right. And a lot of it is about his infrastructure success and working with Republicans. He even invited Mitch done. McConnell to one of them. Went to Mitch McConnell State yeah. and, and actually did an event with him. So my guess is... That's a forecast of what we're going to see in the State of the Union. I would be very surprised if he pivots on that, goes crazy, ultra-MAGA on the House of Representatives, and starts actually drilling everybody about the threat to democracy, right? Mm-hmm. This is how we started his administration. That's right. Um, but I'm not sure that's where we are today. And, and and like what he'll probably point out, we've overcome COVID. I think we've overcome a lot of that, too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we just went through a successful uh election where there wasn't any problem other than of course people running who lost <laughs> and uh and 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 he can take credit for that right and so you don't yeah. want to take digs at your own successes wow is that is is
1: this the bless your heart sort of approach that he'll take to kevin mccarthy then genie to try to kill him with kindness and maybe actually create a little bit of friction and say wait a minute are these guys getting along what's going on? how come he likes him so much
4: yeah, and, and you know there is a danger there as well for Kevin McCarthy. That's what I, mean, I mean, yeah, I, because you know there are some a lot of people on the Republican side who don't want to see Kevin McCarthy cozying up to right. Joe Biden like that. So that could be something he could he could try to do. That it might be a smart move. But let's not forget one of the people in the audience tonight is Paul Pelosi, mm-hmm. and there was political violence in the lead up to the midterm election. Yes, so that is a theme that we may hear more about. And if that comes up, and if Joe Biden strays either off Mm -hmm. the speech, depending on what he says, Mm -hmm. or if he just tries to take on Republicans and talk about him as MAGA, it's going to be a moment that may incite some pushback from some people in the audience.
1: I wonder how he handles that, because sometimes he'll he'll find himself, he'll surprise himself becoming emotional in in, in a situation like that. He's going to make eye contact with Nancy Pelosi, right? He's going to know where she is. Paul Pelosi is going to be in the first lady's box. We've hardly talked about the, the official administration guest tonight. Uh, he's got to be careful with that one, right, Rick? When he starts going into political violence, Paul Pelosi maybe calling people out on one side or the other. Um, how do you handle that in this environment?
2: Well, I, I would think actually a little emotion would serve him well. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the numbers coming into this, the polls, Uh, America is not convinced he's doing a good job at all. He's doing a lousy job as far as they're concerned, including Democrats on the economy. Uh, They don't want him to run for re-election. He's got some convincing to do and, and, and frankly, maybe a little emotion. that touched the heartstrings, you know, well up a little bit uh, because of the personal relationships that he's got, especially with Democrats in the room, because right now his biggest problem is the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party. He doesn't even get through go you know, uh, to get his $200 and be the nominee of the party, unless he improves his standing mm-hmm. right now.
1: Tyree Nichols' parents are going to be in the room also. It's it's another potential moment to find some emotion. Never mind move a policy point. I mean, we heard from uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters earlier this hour. Uh, Jeannie, she says she wakes up every morning uh, looking for change. It hasn't happened yet, and it, there's no clear path for a comprehensive bill like George Floyd to get through this House. Can he advance the ball tonight?
4: Yeah, and also Michael Brown, Uh, his father is going to be in the audience as well. And so, you know, this is an issue we know the president is going to talk about, but this is one of those bills that we've got to assume is dead on arrival at this point. Maybe there's a potential with policing reform with Tim Scott and Cory Booker on it in the Senate, but the idea that would get through the House, it's hard pressed. And I question whether at some point progressives start to feel like they were sold a bill of goods Mm -hmm. and they start to push back. We haven't seen that. Yet I don't think we'll see it tonight. But these are things they care deeply about that they feel like the Biden administration has not delivered on. He's going to talk about those tonight. But is he going to talk about executive action? Because yeah, anything right. short of that, it's not going to pass the He's house. He's got to be
1: careful not to overpromise, Rick. Right? Or does that not matter when it's it's laundry list night of the State of the Union?
2: You know, I think specifically what Ginny uh, was talking about. I mean, he can take some credit for having passed a gun bill. Yeah, I mean, like right. I'm sure we're going to hear about that yes. tonight in relation to some of the gun violence that's occurring, you know, now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But, like, I I just don't get the impression that they're setting this up to be a want list. It's more like Mm -hmm. a a do list. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things he's accomplished, he's going to take credit for. Rick and Jeannie with
1: some final thoughts next. You wouldn't believe who got a guest for the State of the Union tonight. Yes, George Santos will do that next. This is Bloomberg. The headline at The New York Times says it all. George Santos invited a guest to the State of the Union. He said yes. Michael Weinstock is his name, a Democrat who once ran for Santos' district in New York, says he wanted to raise attention to health issues of 9-11 rescue workers like himself. And he will be in the chamber. Yes, this is the same Congressman George Santos who claimed that his mother passed In the 9-11 attacks, they'll be sitting next to each other today, certainly spending time already. Michael Weinstock said he thought it was worth it, cautiously optimistic. He says that the publicity will outweigh the risk of accepting this invitation. And it happens on a day when people came from George Santos's district. At least what I count here, 50 voters. First, they talked to reporters outside, then marched to his office and filled up the hallway
0: outside the door.
1: No one really talking. They just stood there waiting. Lots of cameras around. Finally, the door opens. Some poor staffer walks out.
0: Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me.
3: Space, please.
1: And he's going to be in the State of the Union tonight. Maybe we'll see him walk through Stat Hall when it's all over. Rick and Jeannie are here who will, of course, be part of our special coverage later on tonight. Uh, Jeannie, my goodness, uh, the voters are actually showing up at your door now.
4: They How, are- <laughs> how long can this go on for? They are livid, and you can just hear it in their voices. They say they're being represented by a phantom. They don't know who he is. And honestly, Joe, when you said that he was bringing a guest, I thought to myself, Elvis, he's bringing Elvis. (laughs) And now it's Mr. Weinstock. And obviously a very good cause Mr. Weinstock is trying to get attention for, a very important cause, particularly for New Yorkers who have suffered since 9-11. But boy, what a way to have to do it. (laughs) It, You know, he's going to get his name out there. That's for sure. Apparently
3: he
1: lost his job uh, over all of this. Rick, I mean, these these stories are incredible. I guess, of course, George Santos. When was it that every lawmaker needed to have a guest, by the way?
2: Well, I, I think every lawmaker always had a guest, but it was probably their wife or their yeah, an uncle. And it wasn't uh, for the media. And, and you only really talked about the first lady's guests, which were yeah, the, yeah. the ones that the president would you know speak out to. But now everybody's guest is getting attention, <laughs> and frankly, George Santos's guest is getting more attention in the yeah, lead up right. today to the to the State of the Union than probably Joe Biden. So, uh, but like any any look at the at the clips, I mean, this guy is driving more news on a daily I basis. Love it than anything I've ever seen for a freshman congressman. And and I, I think we should just devote this last five minutes of our, our show <laughs> every single day. I think we kind of have talking that. about George Santos because that seems to be where it's at. Sometimes
1: it just happens that way. Uh, Michael Weinstock, if you're listening, we invite you because we we'd, we'd love to hear about how this night went. I mean, I guess it is a good thing that he gets some publicity out of this, Genie.
4: It's a good thing. It's a very important cause. We hear he is suffering with health issues. It's very important. You know, maybe he'll get to hear some of the Spider-Man music on the way (laughs) in the car. Um, Maybe they'll play some volleyball together. Um, Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. There's a whole host of things that can happen. Oh,
1: it sounds fun. All right. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.